you have to pull from something. Like there has to be an experience there. There has to be an emotion that you have um, felt before. There has to be something to pull into your work in order to make it interesting. It's not interesting when there's not a well to pull from. Not only not interesting for you, but it's boring to watch. It's not as interesting for the people that you work with. And so the way that I'm able to reframe uh, taking time off and you know unproductive time is really understanding that I'm refilling something um, that I have to be able to draw from later on. Otherwise, I'm gonna get stale. What motivates me is knowing my work will be better and more interesting when I fill my well. You're listening to episode 90 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host. And if you're joining for the very first time, I especially want to welcome you to the show. This is the show where every conversation is designed to challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity so that you can live, lead, and create more brilliantly. I want to encourage you to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And I love to stay connected with you beyond the show. And so you can do that by following me on social media. My handle is at Keller Thinks across all platforms. Now on today's show, I'm sitting down with Heather Parody. And Heather is the host of Unconventional Leaders, which is a top-ranked podcast that interviews leaders from all over the world who are uniquely using their gifts to make an impact. She has interviewed some big names like Seth Godin, Heather Monaghan, Paul Young, and Jack Canfield, just to name a few. And professionally, Heather is a mental health therapist who has turned into an online entrepreneur, and now she's helping countless brands bring their services online and helping them scale their impact. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation because one, Heather and I had a meaningful conversation, but the other side of it is Heather is hilarious. She's a lot of fun and I know you're going to love getting to know her. And so I'm excited for you to hear this episode. And with that being said, let's get right into this conversation with Heather Parody. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Heather, it is good to see you. Thanks for making time to chat today. Justin, it's cool seeing you too. I know I have had the chance to be on your podcast and we've gone back and forth talking about uh, getting you on mine. And so it, it was finally time to make it happen and you jumped on last minute. So looking forward to this conversation and it seems like you have so much going on and you already had the podcast that I was on. You have that already, Unconventional Leaders. And you, what are you at? 500 plus episodes you said on that? We're getting close show? to 500. Yeah. Okay. And then you decided to uh, host Happy Brain. Like you just don't have enough going on or what? <laughs> you know, yeah. Actually, a, a good friend of mine, he has a, a network and asked asked me to host that one underneath his network. And uh, I've learned so much. He, he really mentored me and helped me with, with podcasting. He has a you know, longstanding top 25 in the mental health podcast episodes, hundreds of thousands of downloads a month. He's amazing at what he does. And uh, we've been friends for years. And he said, hey, Heather, you interested in hosting a show with me? And I'm like, why not? Let's just do it. So I'm crazy, but uh, it's a lot of fun. 
Well, I also owe you a big thank you for introducing me to Graham Cochran, a mutual connection, great? mutual friend. Yeah, and when he and I and another guy are now, um, we get together every couple of weeks and in, in a little no mastermind. Way, really? so, so we've been able to develop a good relationship and that's all thanks to you and I had him on my podcast. And so anyway, I just appreciate your relationship and yeah. um, was looking forward to this conversation. You know, you just talked about your friend asking you, will you host it? And you just said, yes. And that's, that's sort of how I think of you for some reason. And that could just be the persona that I get across social media, but you just seem to be somebody who says yes, because you're just going to do whatever it takes to carve out the life that you want. You're going to take advantage of opportunities that come your way. Um, what, what is it about you that you feel like either wires you that way or that you've learned to be that way? That's such a great question. Um, it's something that I try to not fix because sometimes it can be problematic. And I try to remind myself that this is a gift that God gave me. And I try to view it as a gift because it can be, you know, there's like a light and dark side to almost everything. Um, mm. What, you know, and, and I, you kind of have, I have to constantly be asking myself, you know, am I operating in an unhealthy place with this or a healthy place? So not to go too deep with you, Justin Keller, but this is this is where my mind goes with that question, because I, I can operate from a place of like worthiness and, you know, wanting to people please or, you know, the hustle mentality and all of that. And that's kind of the unhealthy side of it. The healthy side is what I believe God, you know, gave me, which is, you know, just a kind of a more upbeat personality. And I love opportunity and I love adventure. I love change. I get bored very, very easily um, and just want to experience things. And um, I love working. And I know that's really weird for a lot of people, but I really enjoy um, executing and doing things. I went out to Nashville with a couple of girlfriends a couple weeks ago, and uh, they're like, we're to take all day Saturday and we're just going to lay on the couch and all that. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And about 1030 in the morning, we just, a couple of hours in, I was like, I'm losing my mind right now. So I, yeah. I went outside and I jumped on the trampoline for a bit. I'm like 34 years old and I was out there just jumping because I have a lot of energy and it's very hard for me to sit still. And so again, I, I think Sometimes I viewed that as a negative thing, but I'm like, okay, Heather, you really got to see this as an opportunity, a way that God made you and um, figure out how to use it productively. So that's a big question, answer to that. Yeah, but I love it. And because we haven't had a chance to really talk about this kind of stuff together. And so you can only get to know so much from someone on a, as a host on a podcast or from their social media sure. feed. And so um, when you said that, I'm curious because I feel like I'm wired similar to where uh, it's... I've learned to rest. I've learned to make relaxation part of my life and part of the process in growth, but it's been hard. And so I'm wondering how you balance that um, when you're feeling like, oh, I'm not doing enough, especially for some of us who might be wired to feel like we need to keep going. We need to be doing stuff or mm -hmm. else nothing's happening. How do you navigate that mentally and emotionally? This is such a weird answer to this question, uh, but I see creative calling behind you, Chase Jarvis, I believe. So I think you'll yeah. vibe with this answer, but um, I've really gotten interested in the practice of creativity uh, to better my work. And I've fallen in love with that process. And a big part of that process is uh, pulling from something. You have to have something mm -hmm. to pull from, right? And so uh, let me give a very concrete example. I s decided about a year and a half ago that I wanted to take acting lessons just cause, right? Like I'm, I'm too old to get into the industry right now and stuff, whatever, but I'm interested <laughs> in it. So I was like, plus public speaking, I'm, I'm not 
scared to do that, but acting scared me. So I was like, I'm going to go try acting classes. Well, when I started studying acting and, you know, getting up and doing monologues, side note, completely terrifying. Just I can only the most imagine. terrifying thing. Yeah. How I, many I, people I was, are in the room when you're, when you're doing that? Um, well, you know, I've done different things now with it, but at the time it was there, I think there were seven or eight people in the room. And I mean, I've talked to, you know, hundreds of people in person, thousands of people with the show and stuff. And so speaking, I was like, oh, no big deal. There's five or eight people in here. I'm a speaker. I can do that. I was shaking. I was so terrified. Oh, no. Um, but anyways, uh, what I've learned through acting is, you know, you have to pull from something like there has to be an experience there. There has to be an emotion that you have um, felt before. There has to be something to pull into your work in order to make it interesting. And if you translate that over into what we do, you know, online and with our businesses and our, you know, our, our content, it's not interesting when there's not a well to pull from. Not only mm. not interesting for you, but it's boring to watch. It's not as interesting for the people that you work with. And so the way that I'm able to reframe uh, taking time off and, you know, unproductive time is really understanding that I'm refilling something Um that I have to be able to draw from later on. Otherwise, I'm going to get stale in my business. And I know that, you know, I would rather be, you know, tell you, Justin, well, I do it because I deserve rest and rest is so great. And I have such all these, you know, noble reasons to do it. But the truth is what motivates me is knowing my work will be better and more interesting when I fill my well. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that answer at all. And I think it's yeah. absolutely, uh, it's something that, it is easily overlooked in the process of whether it's doesn't matter what type of business you have. It doesn't matter what type of endeavor you're pursuing that, that need to uh, have something to give and have something to offer. It's the same in our relationships too, though, isn't it? It's the same concept. Word, word. Yeah. You can't <laughs> get what you don't have, right? Yeah. And then also, and this is an interesting thought, and I don't know if it's true or not necessarily, but I've been thinking a lot about it, but also adding um, diversity in your experiences to make, you know, your relationships and your work more unique. Because I sometimes go to the same default ways of relaxing or filling my well. Um, but, you know, Matthew McConaughey's book, that's a crazy book. But one of the things I pulled from that is Humboy, like, diversified his uh, his uh input right he was traveling yeah. a lot he was doing some really weird stuff and i was like i kind of i, I want to do more of that i want to go different places and meet different people and diversify the way i relax um hmm. anyway yeah just a random thought no i think that's no when you're saying that i found myself i don't know about you but when i first started my business being somebody who didn't go to college didn't you know think they'd ever have a business i was immersing myself inside of business books and yeah. so in the last couple of years, especially, I have found myself just needing to diversify that input like you just described, which is a great way of saying that. Reading things that I never would have thought I would read. Yeah. Um, having nothing related to do, you know, to business or maybe something I think is absolutely applicable right away immediately and finding that somehow that, uh, <laughs> that different input translates to different thoughts toward these other areas, you know, 100%. and so... So I'm with you on that. What's something that you've done? Um, speaking of that, I mean, I'm just curious because for me, it's been reading different books from different types of authors. Um, you know, what's something that you've done to sort of diversify that input? 
Well, I just finished my first six-week stand-up comedy class and awesome. performed for the first time. It was terrifying. I can't even explain <laughs> to you how terrifying it was. But, um, you, you know, again, back to like the acting and stand-up and doing some of these other things. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's easy to say that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. But there's so much in that that you learn about yourself because really it's – Exposing yourself to new experiences is really holding up a mirror to yourself because you learn how you respond in these situations. I learn how I respond when I feel like I'm not funny and people didn't laugh at my joke or I feel vulnerable. You know, here's here's an example. Um, Stand up. It was very difficult because she had us first write down 10 strong opinions that we have that is somewhat controversial. Because okay. if you know anything about comedy, what you do is you build off of very strong opinions. And it, that's what makes people laugh, right? It's very hard for me to do that because I feel like I've been conditioned, you know, growing up Southern Bible Belt, Christian girl to not rock the boat. Uh, not I don't want to offend people. That's part of my nature, too. Um, so it was very difficult for me to come up with 10 things that were controversial that I strongly believe that I would write down and actually say to a group of people who don't know me. Um, and something small like that, it, it was a, you know, you can look at, oh, you know, stand up comedy class. That's funny. That's some deep work, dude. Like, I felt like yeah. I was having like some therapy <laughs> going on there. But again, I think exposing yourself to things like that, dude, it, it's it's self-discovery to the max. Okay. So tell me, did you have anybody not laugh? Like, did you have a joke that you thought, okay, this is absolutely hilarious. And then there was no response to it. Yeah. And you know, what was funny is the ones that I wrote that I thought weren't that great people loved and vice versa. And I'm sure you've experienced that too, like with your show or different content, like it'll, you'll love something and people will be like, whatever. And then you'll throw out something like, eh, and people are like, Oh, that's fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. No, it's weird. I've actually, uh, <laughs> no, I totally get what you're saying. I've, I've actually tried to, this is like a, something I'm learning where I'll try to just put out a piece of content that I believe in and remove my myself from it because i've those are the times where you're like oh this i think this is really good and then there's no response you're like it will eat at you and then you yeah. get those other ones where it's like i don't think this is very good content but i believe in this i'm just gonna put it out and then all of a sudden that response i just wonder if it's that overthinking where it almost becomes too polished too good to ourselves yep. Yep. and that's why it doesn't connect i don't know what do you i don't know if you have thoughts on that when because you're putting out content all the time and, and stuff as well yeah, and, and that's that's the hard part where you start drawing a line between creativity and business because, you know, mm -hmm. business says study, you know, the people that you want to serve and create things around that to solve a problem and to whatever. And then creativity is more about finding your own truth and, you know, creating something from, from that place. And I think there's a beautiful yin yang balance of both that we kind of have to find as like creative entrepreneurs. Um and, and I don't know the answer. I think I, I'm trying to figure that out every single day because I, I'm trying. It's really hard. I'm a little ADD and hyper. I don't know if you can pick that up or not. No, so I can't tell at all. <laughs> I Yeah, I have a natural. When you meet me in person, I just kind of bounce a little bit. No, they just um, they just need to watch your TikTok channel and they'll definitely get a feel for it. Yeah, but uh, I have to be super intentional with pausing and like asking myself, mm. you know, before I put out a piece of content. And, you know, sometimes it's just purely entertaining and stupid stuff, but um, you know, like some of my captions, I'm like, okay, what is your intention behind this? Is it because this is something that you truly want to express and it doesn't matter, um, you know, how it's received or whatever, because this is your truth and you'll stand behind it. 
Or also asking myself, and I've had to do this a lot lately because you can get really into like vanity ego type thing with social media of saying, okay, am I really helping or serving? Is my intention here to really, you know, help someone else or is this about me? Um, And that pause even for 30 seconds has been super helpful for me. And sometimes I fail at that and sometimes I do good at it, but that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Yeah, no, I get that. The, I guess humor is such a big part of your life. It seems like, um, I mean the content on your TikTok. I was laughing so hard this morning. I was going through some of that. And, um, I'm glad you laughed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, well, who cares? I laugh so hard and, uh, and it just feels fitting, but even just the way you put yourself out there with other content, uh, humor just seems to be something that matters to you. Uh, is that a fair assessment or, you know, do you use it, um, intentionally or is it just like a natural part of you? I guess I was just curious about that. That's a very new thing. Um, and it was really with 2020, um, that that kind of started coming out a little bit. I think it's always been there, but, um, I was heavily bullied growing up, like Mm. heavily (laughs) physically and all of that. Um, and I was, you know, it's kind of funny and humorous, my pathetic, bullying story if there's humor in it because they kind of should have bullied me because I was so just I was horribly nerdy and I was homeschooled and I had horrible social skills I literally it's funny me telling you this but it's the absolute truth like I didn't see people uh, most of my childhood like we, we were very like sheltered and uh, kept away from things and you know I mean I want to say never saw people we went to church here and there and few homeschool groups, but I got beat up by homeschoolers. Like I was seriously was beat up by by homeschoolers. How pathetic (laughs) is that? Uh, But I love telling on myself because it'll just kind of give a picture in your mind of how socially awkward that I was. And so I've, you know, growing up a little bit, I started to try to, you know, watch people around me and learn social skills. And one of the social skills that I picked up was, you know, that you just, you, you try to blend in as much as you can and you mm. don't put yourself out there. You don't whatever, whatever. And um, people who did were usually made fun of. So it's a weird, you know, narrative in my brain that I wasn't even aware that I had that it was a very dangerous place to, you know, come outside of the box, be outside of the box. But 2020, I started really realizing I wanted, I I was a funny kind of goofy girl. Like if you go out and have Mexican with me, it's just a bad time. We just, it's a horrible, like it's ridiculous. I'm bing, bing, bing all over the place. But I tried (laughs) muting that because I didn't want to feel the way that I did so many years ago. And again, all this was subconscious, but 2020, I was Mm. just like, I don't know what happened. I really think it was because of TikTok. And I know that's again, really funny sounding, but it, it gave me a place to play a little bit where there wasn't so much judgment. Aunt Margaret was not on TikTok. Uncle Bobby was not on TikTok. Now people are on TikTok, but then no one was. And so you could just play and be dumb without a lot of repercussions, except for user 5693 who don't like your content, but who cares about him? <laughs> so it was it was a free place. So anyways, so I started putting out that and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, this feels good. And so slowly, and I really encourage anyone if they're if they're trying to like, find their lane with their voice, find a safe place. Like even if it's a random app, that's not going to go anywhere and experiment with it. Because what happens is you start building that muscle and you get to a point where you're like, why am I not sharing this on other platforms? 
And so I did. I started putting it out on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, you know, one of my TikTok videos that I put out on Facebook, um, I mean, it hit 9 million views, 9 million on Facebook. And I was like, I have been putting out serious content for years and I put out some stupid skit from TikTok and that kind of crap happens. I was like, I'm onto something here. So since then, I've just been like, screw it. I'm going to be funny and goofy. I love that. I mean, yeah. TikTok, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I did with TikTok too. It was last year, you know, March, I think April, whatever I decided to jump on. And I don't think I'm following like, you. I'm about to. Well, I just followed you today, to be honest with you. So, okay, um, good. I felt better. I didn't even know you yeah. were on there. <laughs> well, I don't talk about it a lot. And, do you and dance? it was one of the. I do not dance. So you can, it's safe to watch. I don't dance. But what I did is it was the same thing. It was like, all right, I want a safe place to kind of just explore. I love running. I'm just going to talk about running. And so I picked just one lane and just talked about running. And, um, and so anyway, it was fun. And then it didn't, it started to become less fun when people started jumping on TikTok, people that I know. (laughs) And then there I am again in front of the people that, I'm close to, and then I'm like around them kind of subconscious now about the content I was putting out. And it's just hearing you though, having that background of the bullying and sort of being, I guess, inheriting this perception that you have to play it safe. uh, That's a hard thing to break, right? Dude. Yeah, totally. What, you don't just break that alone, do you? Or, or, or were you just someone who were able to just figure this out? And I mean, or did you have things that people that helped you, things that have helped you? Because I don't think you're alone for one, not maybe on the bowling, not everyone's experienced that. I can't say that I, I did, but I, I can relate to you when you're talking about just this feeling of it's safer to not put myself out there the way that I believe in sometimes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this working, you know, in, in, branding and marketing and you know the online presence that you know you encourage organizations and people to do for the most part the feedback i've gotten i'm not sure you've gotten this it isn't i'm worried about what user 469 thinks of me it's my mom and my dad are going to see this and my brothers and sisters and that kid from high school who i don't even know or like anymore but for some reason we're just haunted by these relationships and what's interesting is it's not always relationships with people we really value either (laughs) it's um these kind of distant relationships of people who know us and it's terrifying I get that constantly. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers uh, for people putting out online content. And I get it. I I empathize with that. As far as getting over it, if I could formulize that, I'd be a millionaire. But for me, just my experience, um, it's so helpful being around brave people (laughs) because it kind of creates a new normal for you. And Sometimes those brave people are in the form of digital relationships, but getting, you know, around big dreamers and big thinkers and people who, you know, sometimes there's like a stigma around that of like, oh, they're this and they're that. But when you really start to meet people like, you know, yourself who are just doing amazing things out in the world and super successful, when you really get to know them, you know, they're doing it from such a service servant leader space where they realize that being more of themselves, being more real online uh, is serving people. um, And that's how you serve people, right? Mm -hmm. 
So getting around big thinkers, returning back to your, your, you know, your calling. Um, I don't use that word lightly. I think it's God given a God given calling that, you know, he made you for some reason, the way that you are. And he made me hyper for some reason, um, ADD for some reason. And it's not something that I need to fix. It's something I need to, you know, figure out how to use. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, Hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Be around brave people. I love that. I love that. You're hearing your background in your your life. Something I never knew about you growing up was that you were bullied. And um, hmm. is there at all a connection between the podcast that you launched, Unconventional Leaders, kind of this outside a place for people? you know, that maybe don't fit inside the box and the way they're doing life and the way they do things. Is there a connection at all between you sort of saying like maybe in the past, I didn't feel like I belonged. So I'm just going to create a space that I feel like I belong or, or not. A hundred percent. And I think that's what leadership is. I'll never forget being in a, in a church once. And, uh, I think his guy's name was Chris. He was one of my youth leaders. And he said some, you know, something along with me of like, if you see a problem and it bothers you, it's your obligation to fix it. Because hmm. I was complaining about there being trash or something. I don't know. And he's like, well, pick it up, Janet, pick it up. Right. And so a lot of times there's a invitation in our frustration to create a solution. Right. And I love leadership and I love self-help and personal development. It changed my life drastically. Um, but when I looked at the landscape, I didn't see a lot of my personality there, or my style. It was a bunch of executive white dudes, you know, middle age who were serious on LinkedIn. Nothing wrong with that. I'm so pumped for y'all. Like, but there's so much of that, right? There's not. Wait, when you just said y'all, did you just lump me into that when you said y'all no. just because I'm 40? Dude, no, you have tattoos. You're cool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't see kind of like the unbuttoned, you know, casual, fun conversations of people who were doing just as meaningful work. And I think yeah. And the word leadership's heavy because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm not a leader. I don't make a difference. But, you know, John Maxwell says it's it's just influence. And we all have influence, especially these stinking social media platforms. So, yeah, I just wanted to fill a void, make it a little bit more um, relatable. And um, I like unconventional people. I am one. Yeah. It's uh, don't, I don't know. You have kids or you don't have kids? No. Oh, yeah, too. Wow, how old? So cool. Uh, eight and four. Okay, so close, like my son's six, right? And so, do you feel this, um, like sense of okay, I didn't have someone in my life at a young age telling me just create your own way, carve your own path? Like, do you feel this almost like overcompensation towards that with them at all? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I've really had to watch with my oldest daughter. Um, she is, you know, I, I'm really big into kind of the, you know, creating things, entrepreneurship, you know, let's make a vision board every year, like that type of thing. <laughs> and her, that is not her personality. And I had to check myself on that a lot. And it's this tricky thing of trying to figure out parenting is the scariest thing in the world because it's like, okay, where do I guide here and then where do I step back and uh, appreciate the creation that they are you know and not try to yeah. manipulate it because she's a 
I could cry thinking about it. She has just the most beautiful heart. Like I say all the time, she's going to be a therapist one day or a teacher. She's so sensitive and she just wants to know you and what you think and goals uh-huh. doesn't matter. Let's just be present. You know what I mean? That's her personality. And so I'm like, come on, Lucy, it's 2021. What do you want to, you know? So it, it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. But yeah, I do overcompensate for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's it's just one of those things. It's so interesting to me how generationally, I, I think in a lot of ways, we have a, a great opportunity to maybe improve, you know, in some of the ways that I think our parents did the best they could, their parents did the best they could. We're all doing the best we can. One of those for me would be the same with you as far as like, I really want London to feel safe being who he is, you know, who, know. who God made him to be and like, feel secure in that and that's that's hard because you have all these other outside influences right that are deteriorating that slowly as he's getting older you see it you know you start seeing it four you start seeing it closer to five six seven eight right like your daughter yeah it's 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 tough thing i don't know if you struggle with that but i i struggle at home it's like be who you are you're safe to be that and then you go to school and maybe you're not accepted the same and it's that's been Mm kind of hard for me Oh, yeah. She's already coming, you know, home with these, you know, so-and-so doesn't want to play with me or they're, you know, the best, who's best friends already talking about like this boy. And I mean, it's just too much right now. And it's eight years old and this, you know, it's so scary. And that's, you know, I don't want to say scary. It it, it could be tempted to be scary. It's, It's a gift, but that's just, you know, where there's a lot of trusting that there's something else at work and that we've just got to do the best that we can. Um, Why'd you hesitate when you said that? I don't want to say scary. Because I'm really trying to work on like my narrative around things. Um, you know, I could view this as a scary thing, but I don't like saying that um, mm. because I don't want to lead with fear in anything. And there are scary elements to it, but I don't want to label that as a, you know, parenting is scary. And I, I say that all the time and I'm trying to stop myself because no, mm. parenting is a gift with some scary moments in it, right? I like that a lot. One of the things that uh, I was curious because having a podcast has been just eye-opening for me. One, it's way more work (laughs) than I expected. Word. (laughs) To say it's a passion project, I'm like, oh, I have to like treat myself to like a nice dinner every so often just to feel like that was my pay, my compensation for it because it is a lot of work. a lot. But sitting down with people is like, absolutely my favorite part of it because you're exposed to somebody and someone's thinking that you weren't before you've interviewed people such as seth godin who i absolutely adore the work that he puts into the world and the way that he um, just you know positions himself to serve others and so um many great leaders you know some that we all know of you don't care if people know about them you just are curious and you're talking to so many humans with that being said, I was wondering if you've ever had time to hit pause, even though you're recording like an episode a day, it seems like. <laughs> have you ever have you ever hit pause and just thought about some of the things that you're learning from people, some of the consistencies you see across, you know, humankind? And is there are there things that you're learning and and gaining from being around all these people? That's such a great question. Um, because I don't think I do that enough. 
And I think that's something I really need to work on because again, being going to the dark side of, you know, my personality of, you know, just output, 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 and, and just producing, producing, which I, I love, but also too, I think it robs me of experience a lot of times where I don't really just like, whoa, dude, like that was freaking amazing. What did I, what did I pull from that? Um, so no, I don't do that enough. I, I will say that some common things that I've I have learned and seen overall as a whole is just there's a there's a different energy that certain people uh, operate from, and it's so interesting because you can almost feel it even through Zoom. And I'm really curious about how to kind of cultivate that energy and not energy like oh I'm hyper because I got that nailed down, but an energy that's like really. Like the room is still with certain people and it's, you could tell it's just people who have really honed something. Um, obviously, you know, Seth Godin was one of those. Jack Hanfield was one of those people. Wow. Um, but I, I'm curious about that. I want to learn more about that. But I would say, you know, people are really kind and good for the most part. And people have been really intimidated, have been some of the most humble, nicest people ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is, though? I mean, I know you're still trying to figure that out or thinking about it and processing it, but you think about you talk about someone like a Jack or Jack Canfield, and you talk about Seth Godin. What do you think it is that just gives them that presence, even that uh, something that translates through like a digital connection like we have right now through these screens? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing. I think it's a lot of inner work, and I get so annoyed with that answer because I remember when I first started down this journey, I'd buy all those books, you know, that we've all read. And the first few chapters would always be your mindset, you know, the inner work. And I would be like, like, oh my God, please just tell me how to do this. You know, like, please. Okay, whatever. My mindset's good. And it's so annoying, but it's so true that that's the answer. Like that people spend so much deliberate time tending to their inner world and tapping into something um, outside of themselves. And I don't think everybody would you know, necessarily label it as God, but they are tapping into a source and something that's life-giving because, you know, as, as humans, you know, and not to get too spiritual on you, it's just hard not to, as humans, there's just only so much that we can do. Um, but when we tap into something greater than us, I think it just adds an un undefiable type type energy um into our work so I, I would say it would be a spiritual practice but i'm guessing i don't know i didn't ask and i should have yeah no i mean i when you were saying that i was thinking about some of the people that i've talked to or even just in person and the leaders that i really admire and i wonder too if it's if it's just that uh i guess that getting comfortable in their own skin you know just knowing who they are, knowing what they are here to do, in, to bring to the world, you know, they're, they're in service to themselves and service to others, like, and, and God, like, I just wonder if some of it, it just comes with that confidence because it's like, when you know, when you know that and these guys have spent so much time in their life, um, just really focusing on, on that. And I just wonder if it's uh, it's just that deliberate like effort for so many years. There's you can't replace that experience, I guess, in those years yeah. for some of those guys, right? Like so. What's what's important? Um, I talked to a, a, a guy the other day, and I loved this. He he studies happiness, and he travels all over the world, and does these documentary 
film things on happiness. And I asked him, I said, what do you think helps people be happy? And he said that it's, it's a shrinking the radius of things that you truly care about and think that matters. Mm. And he elaborated, you know, really understanding that, you know, your family, your friends, if they're happy, if they're safe, you know, if you have running water, like these are the things that really matter and understanding all this other external stuff, you know, we can't put so much weight on it. And I think that's where I'm at right now personally. And what I think these, these people we've interviewed and talked to have mastered is understanding that rejection that, you know, an embarrassing this that goes out or whatever, whatever, all these things that we just freaking stress out over in the first few years of our journey, they matter, but they don't matter. You know what I mean? And putting our worth, like you said, and our confidence in something else and knowing, you know what, London, he loves me. He's safe. Everything's fine. I got some creative calling behind there. It's the best book ever. You know what I mean? Like I got a microphone. Like, things are okay in my world. If somebody tells me no for this deal or whatever, I'm going to be yeah. okay. Um, security, like you said. <laughs> my dad used to say, it's funny. I don't remember. I always say this. I don't remember a lot of what he said, but there's a few things. And one of those was always think the best of people. And that's something that has stuck with me. And I think you and I are experiencing that through this, our podcast. You see the good in humanity when you, oh, yeah. when you tap into people's stories and their backgrounds. And the other was this, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that. Speaking of creative calling, have you had Chase on, on the show yet? No, but it's a goal. I haven't asked yet, but it will happen. Well, he'll say yes when you ask. He'll say yes. Um, Hope so. I've asked. I haven't been able to get him on yet, but he's he's been gracious in his responses. But It'll I would happen. love to have I would love to have Chase on. Um, okay, wanted to ask you what's something right now in your life that you're really excited about, and I mean even just it can be on any level, but just something that really kind of lights you up right now in a, in a positive way. I am intentionally, and do you see how I'm pausing with this because I'm telling myself this start doing in-person interviews. Um, I have one scheduled for tomorrow and I want to start doing more and more of those because I want to, even if it's producing less shows, but getting with real people and sitting there with you and talking with you and stuff like that. Like I want to do that. And I'm getting back into photography again. Uh, not necessarily for a business, but because I enjoy it. Um, I saw you post pictures yesterday. They looked awesome. Like were you a photographer before? Yeah, that's what got me into all this. It, it was my entry drug. I had a photography business for about, I want to say about five years, and it did really well. Um, I, yeah, and I, I did it for a long time. Um, but I never really created the kind of photos that I wanted to create. I was just, you know, doing the stuff that photographers do to to make money. But so I just kind of gave it up and um, I'm, I'm, we're slowly returning back to that. But I want to start doing in-person interviews tomorrow, do my first one, take photos of the people I'm interviewing. Do you know Sam Jones from- No, um, I, I don't dude, know the name. Dude, you would love him. He's like my favorite human. Um, Who is he? Uh, he has a studio out in LA. He came on the show and I was just totally geeking out. It was so cool. Yeah. But uh, he's, a, he's a director and a photographer and he's spent years- um, you know, on, on the sets of different movies and music videos, he's directed Mumford and Sons videos and just done, hmm. you know, the creative work behind that. Well, he ended up starting a show and he'll have these people come in and he'll interview them and they'll talk super deep. Like we just did this past hour about different stuff. And then he goes and he does a photo session with them. Yeah. And I'm like, that's who I want to be when I grow up. I love that. 
Yeah, but there's dissonance there. So one day I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, Heather, well, you have a camera over there. You have a freaking vehicle. You have connections. Why are you not doing it? COVID's a good reason I wasn't. But besides that. <laughs> <laughs> there's this little thing that kind of crept into everyone's world called COVID, right? So it's just an excuse though. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's cool. The in-person, it's been interesting because I've done, when I f- first started, my idea was to do all in-person interviews and was I was going to fly to them. I've got a simple setup that can go anywhere. And that's, I also love photography. I was never doing it for a business, really? but cool. Yeah. But it's just always been something like we would do video shoots and for our clients and I would, I would be doing uh, behind the scenes kind of photos of it or just different angles of the shot we just got and, and love capturing those candid moments. Um, and so it was fun to go do an in-person and, and, and like take photos at the same time. So I love that concept. I, I'll be curious how, to hear how you feel like that connection is with the face-to-face in-person versus you who have done hundreds now of interviews like this. You were doing it via Zoom before you had to. It wasn't just because of the pandemic. You were doing this right. from the beginning, right? From the very beginning, yeah. I've passed four, I would say it's four years now, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, honest, to be completely honest, you know, the the few in person, like, you know, from me being a guest on shows, I've I've just did one last week. Um I'm very uncomfortable with it. It kind of makes me a little bit more nervous and weird. Um I have weird, like socially I'm a I'm a very awkward one day you'll meet me and it'll all make sense. You're like, oh, I'm hyper and all that, but I'm, I'm a little bit weird. And it's hard for me getting in super deep conversations like with people, with a microphone in person. I don't know why. Um, I used yeah. to be a therapist, which is interesting, but that wasn't recorded. It's, it's different. Um, but that's another reason why I want to do it in person because I think there's an – I think fear is interesting because if you're kind of nervous and afraid to do something, not always, but I think – there's an opportunity there and there's like a next level for you to go into. Um, so the fact that it makes me a little weird, like ugh, sitting there with Justin and like, we're gonna talk about deep about stuff in person is going to be awkward and weird. That means I should do it. You know? Yeah. You, uh, it, there's at least an opportunity for a question, right. To be asked uh, of yourself in those moments. For sure. Yeah. For sure. What a, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about asking this at all, but as you're talking, I'd be remiss if I didn't. And that is, you talked about being a therapist. You talked about being a photographer. And I know. ADD. You, well, I mean, but think about this. What do you th- What do you love about the different experiences that you've had? What's What's been the positive for you being someone who maybe doesn't love to stay in one lane too long? Oh, yeah. And that's just the thing is it's I, I put a question up in Unconventional Leaders the other day of like, what did you think was a complete waste of time that now looking back you saw was like beautifully orchestrated to bring you to where you're at today? And I see that with all the different things that mm. I've done. Um, you know, therapy is one of them because I felt like I had just wasted because really, you know, I graduated, got my license, got two job offers and cried in the waiting room during my interviews. Saying, I don't want to get a job. Like it's the worst. Like they're going to tell me what time to be here and everything. And I turned them down. I just forget it. I'm not doing this. Um, but 
that taught me to press in deeper and ask better questions, sit in discomfort, know that there's a thing underneath the thing. Like you'll tell me something, but there's something else you're saying there. Um, it taught me about diversity and how different we are and how much of our experiences, you know, the way that your mom or your dad talked to you is going to greatly inform how you see me in the world and all of this stuff. And just the depth of who we are as humans. It helped me understand myself. And so bringing all that into like what I do now with talking to so many different people and working with a variety of personalities or my clients and all that. Thank God. Thank you, God. I had those years of training um, because it helped inform this. And I think that's a good question for all of us to ask. What are the lessons that I'm pulling in here? Nothing's a waste of time. Yeah, no, I was thinking when you were talking about all this, I was like, you're you're going to ask better questions <laughs> when you're doing your podcast because of your background and your training and, uh, and getting all, comfortable with silence too. <laughs> Therapists, you're taught it's okay for everything to be quiet. So if I ask you a question and you answer it and I just stop and wait even longer, you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're going to dig in a little deeper. So <laughs> therapists do. You do that in interviewing too. It's absolutely true. You got to leave some room to breathe, right? let the answer ha- kind of happen. So, um, all right, let's, I want to respect your time and I know you've had a lot going on. You fit this into your week. And so I just want to ask you one more thing. I think you're just close it out. Uh, I've enjoyed this though. I really appreciate you making it's time fun. to connect it's on this level. So yeah. Um, we'll definitely have to make it happen face to face though at some point too. And I'll get you and your husband out for Mexico. Where do you food. live? <laughs> I'm in Houston, but I, I'll come out to Atlanta. <gasps> Atlanta's okay, easy. Yeah, I've got yeah, one of yeah. my best buddies out there. So Atlanta's easy. Cool. So we'll cool, cool, cool. Totally. Um, all right. First of all, <laughs> I just thought of something as I was thinking about, I mentioned you and your husband. People have to go watch the video. You had this like battle going back and forth on, um, or this, uh, what do you, you don't call, they're not battles. Du- they're uh, duets. Duets on TikTok, sorry. Um, with this fitness chick, when you saw your husband doing a duet with this fitness chick and then you go, yeah, but can you do this? And you're, can you eat three cookies at one time? (laughs) It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. The punchline to that is now we talk, me and her talk almost every day. She's the coolest person. We end up becoming like good friends, like two peas in a pot. It's amazing. So it's so funny because it, I don't know, it was, it was a really funny thing, but that duet, you know, and I, I would say, the key to making anything pop is not to think about it <laughs> because that yeah. duet, I was literally like, oh, I got to go pick up Lucy from school. I haven't posted on TikTok today. It took me about 30 seconds. I randomly thought had that idea and I was like, oh, that video sucks, but I'll do it anyway because I need to put something out. Popped. And now yeah. I have a new friend. Well, <laughs> I'm going to put the link in the show notes actually for that one oh, specifically God. because <laughs> what I think is great about it was instead of you being the jealous wife of like, hey, why are you doing a duet with this beautiful you know, fitness chick? You're like, oh, yeah? Can she do this? So it's really funny. You cannot be uh, jealous with a husband in the fitness industry. That's for sure. Oh, that's, yeah. there's probably a whole lesson in episode in that. Um, <laughs> all right. Last question for you here today. I just I love asking this at the end of pretty much every episode. And that is, what do you hope that the story is of Heather? And that could be from your kids. It could be from your friends. It doesn't have to be 10 years down the road. It could be now. It could be, you know, 30 years down the road, but what do you hope the story is that's told of you? Dang, Justin, you're making me cry. Um, I, I would say that I genuinely saw people 
for who they were and loved them and accepted them. I think feeling unseen is one of the greatest wounds and pain that, you know, our culture is facing right now is feeling unseen for who you are. Yeah, we're seen. We have the TikTok accounts, but people don't see us and love and accept that. And I think that's the greatest human need and one that God fulfills, but also to one that he asks of us to um, be intentional with. So I would say she saw me, she saw us, and she loved us. That's beautiful. And I, I just want to close out and just kind of acknowledge you. And I know it's a limited uh, perspective because I'm just continue to get to know you each time we connect and talk more. And, but from what I can see, I just want to acknowledge and commend you because I think your fight for brilliance is, is having the courage to say yes to mm-hmm. putting yourself out there to be seen and to serve. And I don't think that comes easy for most, but I could, I would also imagine it's even harder for someone with a history that you have. And so I just want to commend you for that. Thanks. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And this was so good. Probably the best conversation I've had in a while. So thanks for making time for it. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Again, all of the links to connect with Heather are right there in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, You can find links to her website, to her social media, and especially that TikTok video that I mentioned. I would encourage you to follow her, stay connected with her. Heather's just a great human to have in your corner. The links to connect with me beyond the show are also right there inside of the show notes. You can see links for my website, for social media, and so on. And so I would love to stay connected with you as well. And I would like to encourage you to share this episode. It's a simple way of showing gratitude toward our guest is to screenshot it, share it on social media, make sure you mention them and mention me as well. And just let people know what you're listening to or just send them a direct link to this episode. And if you haven't had a chance to rate and review the show, that would mean a lot. You know, when you're looking for a new restaurant or or a new place to go visit, you're always looking for what have other people said, what are the reviews, and that's all that the ratings and reviews are. They don't grow the show. They just tell others what they can expect when they come across the show. And so if you would just take a quick second after the show and leave a short review and leave a rating, that would really be appreciated. All right, with that being said, I'll leave you with your weekly reminder that you, yes you, you are brilliant.